That baby needs something. It's disturbing my psyche. I'm like, oh my god, what if she's frustrated? Oh, I don't know if it's a she or a he. <laughs> she's really crying. Yeah. Hi everyone, welcome to the Wonderful Scientist Podcast. This is your host, Sarah Nyakeri, and today I have Ian, Peter. I don't know how to say the second name, or maybe I'm lazy to say the second name. Could you say your name? Busulwa. Busulwa, yes. yes. I, I wanted to say that, but I was like, what if I... <laughs> I really don't <laughs> like saying the wrong name about... I don't know, I, I feel like... Names are very sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. So welcome to the show. Thank you. And thanks for accepting this invite. So I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about in this conversation. So maybe for someone who doesn't know you, could you introduce yourself? Yes. Uh, my name is Ian Peter Sulwa, 25-year-old Ugandan, um, a science communicator. Mm-hmm. That's how I like to identify myself. Uh-huh. But by training, I'm a biotechnologist, uh, uh-huh. currently pursuing a Master of Science in Biotechnology. Awesome. Yeah. I think that's the part that I, I was really interested in, the science communication. That's why I was like, I need to talk to this guy who has a science background and is now in science communication. Like, Yeah. That, that's really amazing. So I'm excited about that. So um, could you take us through how you got into science? Like you journey, maybe I don't know where you want to start, maybe your high school or primary, whatever you want to start, just tell us, take us through you growing up or anything. Just let us in if you, to whatever place you want to let us into. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I don't think for, for, for my case, it was really much of a choice. Wow. Uh, reason being, uh, in, in my country, Uganda, mm. I don't know if it's the same for all African countries, mm. there are certain professions that parents are very familiar with. So they always ask their students, their children to do those kinds of courses. Mm. So that is either a lawyer, an engineer, a teacher, or a doctor. Mm. So it's always around that. So for my case, mm. it happens that my parents really wanted me to be a doctor, a medical doctor. Mm. So all my choices were really following up that. They tried to introduce me to the hospital very early on. Mm. I used to visit the theater in my high school, even participate in some of these operations, mm-hmm. all in, in, a, in, a, in a bid to get me to do medicine at campus. Mm-hmm. So uh, I loved science, honestly. I loved science. Mm. And the thing is, uh, our education system, you do all the courses first, and then you get to select what you want to do at high school level. Mm-hmm. So I did all these chemistry, physics, math, history, some languages, literature mm-hmm. at the O-level section. Mm-hmm. And then for high school, that's when I now decided to choose biology, chemistry, and mathematics. Okay. I did that for two years. So the, the hope was that I would get medicine. But mm-hmm. uh, after the final exams, when the selections were made, mm-hmm. I found I had been uh, given biotechnology. Mm. at Makere University. So at the time, biotechnology was really a very new field in Uganda. So there are a few people I could talk to to find out what these guys really do. Mm -hmm. Luckily, one of uh, my, our family friend, who is a medical doctor, incidentally, had some friends who had an idea about biotechnology. So I talked to them and they kind of gave me a picture of what I expect to do, uh, the kind of career path I expect to follow. And it was quite exciting. So... Mm. I went on to do biotechnology at the university. Mm -hmm. So at the time I joined biotechnology, 
the, the whole debate of GMOs was really a very hot thing here in Uganda. So mm-hmm. they're trying to get uh, parliaments to pass the... That time it was called the National Biotechnology and Biosafety Bill, mm-hmm. which basically was aimed at regulating GMO crops, mm-hmm. GM crops. So there was this huge debate. And, and the funny thing was that I felt like the students who were studying this course were left out. And that was largely because really had no kind of formal organization. We were just mm-hmm. studying. So our voice wasn't really part of the debate. Mm-hmm. That time I was in year one. That was 2016. Mm-hmm. So at the time, uh, I worked with a few other students and we mobilized ourselves into a society, mm-hmm. which was called Makere University Biotechnology Society. Mm-hmm. So with this form of organization, we now got a chance to participate in the whole debate of GM crops and genetic engineering. Mm-hmm. We participated in all these uh, review meetings with members of parliament, policymakers, and these technical committees of parliament trying to review the, the bill. Mm-hmm. So that's how my interest in this whole world of communication and policy really came from. Mm-hmm. So from that point onwards, I really found myself a lot in these spaces. Literally, anything that came up that involved policy, I always found myself trying to get in there. Mm. At the time, as when I learned of the March for Science, which is an event that was initiated in New York. Mm-hmm. So with this new society, we got mobilized for our country here. We got students and we marched on the streets of Kampala, mm-hmm. holding placards and banners, asking the policymakers to consider science, but more specifically to think about the genetic engineering bill. Mm. So... My involvement with that kind of got me along this whole career path of now deciding to do science communication and science policy. So most of my involvement in at, at the university was voluntary, mm-hmm. trying to help those who are already doing this work to mobilize youth and students. Mm-hmm. So after campus, I got to join them now mm-hmm. professionally and uh, work alongside them. Mm-hmm. At the time, I joined the Uganda Biosciences Information Center, which is an information hub of the National Agricultural Research Organization, NARO. So these guys here were largely doing communicating agricultural research. But because NARO was at the forefront of doing research in genetic engineering, Mm -hmm. we found ourselves also advocating for that technology in terms of policy. So I was at the intersection of both policy and communication, though based on agricultural research. Mm-hmm. Around the same time, I came across uh, a lady called Patricia Nanteza. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, at the time, uh, she was working with one of the narrow institutes called Kawanda, the National Agricultural Research Laboratories Kawanda, where most of our banner research is done. Mm-hmm. So at the time, she was running up, she was uh, mobilizing for a project uh, by the Alliance for Science. Cornell. Yeah, the whole idea was to yes, Cornell Alliance for Science. Hmm. Though of late they dropped the Cornell name, I think. Okay. Yeah. So the, the idea of the project was to train scientists to communicate their research through mm-hmm. storytelling. Mm-hmm. So she wanted to fronted the public to appreciate the people behind the science. Mm-hmm. So we got the scientists. They have all these scientific presentations in their head. They know how they know how mm-hmm. to present their papers. Yeah. In the conference setup, and we're like. People think science is hard. People mm. think science is boring. You know, mm. people don't know who is doing the things they are consuming. Yeah. So she came up with that idea, and at the time she was looking for someone still to help her mobilize students and the youth. Mm. 
mm-hmm. and I happen to have been leading the that association of the students at Makerere University. Mm-hmm. So I got to work with her at the very first event in 2019. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I took on more active roles in, in, in her project. And that's how I found myself working very closely with that project. Mm-hmm. So after campus, I worked with Science Stories Africa and also with Naro's Information Hub, Ubic. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's where most of my experience in science communication and science policy was really groomed. Which I've and I've been working there I think since 2019 till to date. I've wow. been working with those two organizations. Yeah. So over that period, uh, Science Stories Africa has organized three events: two in Uganda, one in Nairobi, Kenya. Mm-hmm. We were there last November, last August. It was August. Yeah, we were there in August. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year we're organizing another still in Kenya and I think Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Then for UBIC, we've really engaged a lot of farmers. We've reviewed the bill very many times. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've grown from volunteering my time as a student mm-hmm. to now being an advocacy and semination lead of the same of the same organization, which is really quite exciting. So in all that mix, uh, in June last year, mm-hmm. actually way earlier than that, I think it was around April, mm-hmm. Jinko Bioworks announced a fellowship, a policy fellowship. Who? Where they wanted uh, who? Jinko Bioworks. Jinko. Yes, Jinko Bioworks is a synthetic biology company based in Boston in the US. Okay. Yes, so I'll explain more about what they oh, do. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, so mm-hmm. they, they announced a public policy fellowship mm-hmm. where they wanted those who, who had a policy idea they wanted to work on mm-hmm. to apply. So at the time, I was really very much active in advocating for the biotech bill here in Uganda. So I applied with that idea Mm. that I wanted to work on new strategies to really get this bill across the line Mm. for it to become a law. So uh, I got selected for that fellowship. It was from June to September. So that's when I now got introduced to another aspect of biotechnology, Mm -hmm. which is called synthetic biology. Mm-hmm. This is where biotechnology is done with a lot of automation, a lot of computer engineering. Mm-hmm. And Jinko Bioworks being a leader in this space was really a very good opportunity to learn about this whole new field of science mm-hmm. from the top guys in that field. And also the other thing that the fellowship did was that uh, them being a leader in that space, they always discussed biotechnology from a global point of view. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the same thing which I was accustomed to in Uganda, but you only discuss the bill in the context of Uganda. Mm. And once in a while, you discuss what that means for Africa. Yeah. Now, for them, almost every product they're thinking of, every policy they're thinking of, they're asking themselves, how does this affect the rest of the world, beyond the US, Africa, and mm. you know, the rest of the world? Mm. So I came back home with that thinking. How does all the things I care about, the policies I'm thinking about, how do they resonate to the rest of the world? Hmm. You go on. Around that same time, uh, oh, during the fellowship talking. at Jinko. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, you, I, I thought you had disappeared, but yeah. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. So around the same time, mm-hmm. during the fellowship at Jinko, I came across a community of synthetic biologists here in Uganda. Mm. And interestingly, that was the very first time I was hearing about it. Yet these guys have been here for over three years, seen by Africa. Mm. At the time, they were 
organized in the very first synthetic biology conference for Africa. So I volunteered my time with them and took on a more active role in science communication and helping them organize the conference. And ever since then, I've been part of that community in Africa. Mm. And uh, this year, EPO, they, they took on uh, an initiative to build capacity for African countries to combat pandemics, what they're calling global catastrophic biological risks. Mm-hmm. So I'm working with now with Sinbai Africa, Naro, and Science Stories Africa. Still in the same discussion at Jacob Bioworks, mm-hmm. I, I got to learn of a new term called the bioeconomy. Mm-hmm. That's where now we are thinking of biotechnology in terms of money mm-hmm. and in terms of how what this means for the economy in terms of the revenues and in terms of jobs. Mm-hmm. So when I got introduced to the idea of the uh, from of the bioeconomy, I realized that probably this is something we were, we were lacking in our advocacy back home, mm-hmm. whereby we were promoting GM crops largely on the science of the of the scientific benefits. That, for example, if you're having a disease-resistant banana, mm. yes, you have banana that is not is not sick in in your garden. But yeah. I don't think we're driving home the whole point of of what does this mean in terms of money, how many. Many jobs are we expecting to create if we are no longer having the bacteria wealth killing the bananas? Mm. And how much revenue are we getting into the farmers' pockets, into the government's pockets, and any other person that really cares about the whole value chain of the banana? Mm. That's something I felt that's very really driving home. So I worked together with another organization called CIFOD, and we came up with the Bioeconomic Coalition of Uganda mm-hmm. with the whole aim of championing biotech mm-hmm. with an economic eye. So at the moment, so I'm involved with the Bioeconomic Coalition of Uganda, Sinbio Africa, Sunstars Africa, and, and UBIC. But all that was happening as I was doing my master's in biotechnology, which I'm soon completing in August. Wow, that was very fast. Wow. <laughs> that was a handful. I don't know. A handful or I don't know. <laughs> This is an interesting journey, and I think you have been involved in science communication in a very wide aspect. So my question is, let's start in the beginning. Uh, whatever you said before that parents, um, especially the African setup, I think they tend to want their kids to excel, Right. And yeah. the things that they know that makes them excel is the science courses, including being a doctor. And it's very also very common to hear people say that, yes, I wanted to do medicine. Then I got myself into this bio something course. It has to be a bio something course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you find a lot of people go into that not knowing what it was. And I like that you brought up the aspect where... It was still a new course, and we were still figuring out what is going on, and you were trying to figure out, okay, so well, I've done biotechnology, then what, right? Yeah. So um, I think the question here is, what did the other people who you schooled with in biotechnology go into, or how was that transition like moving from at this new course in biotechnology into the market? Yeah. Well, one of the one of the things that really attracted me to, 
to biotechnology is that uh, there's something for everyone. There's actually something for every talent the person has. So mm-hmm. in my case, I, I fell in love with communication and policy. Mm-hmm. So I'm still doing biotech, but with uh, a bias to that. Yeah. And there are those who really loved the, the laboratory mm-hmm. and they're continuing with that. So these are found themselves working in a pharmaceutical industries, others are working in cosmetic companies, mm-hmm. some are doing quality assurance in these beverage industries. Mm-hmm. And there are some who loved the, the IT bit of it. Mm-hmm. Because at undergraduate, you get exposed to all these courses, the mm-hmm. bioinformatics, the biomanufacturing, mm-hmm. the plant science of it, the virology and all that. So it's like everyone has chosen something they mm-hmm. fell in love with mm-hmm. and they have walked down that path. Yeah. So I know a lot of friends are in the lab, others are in bioinformatics, others are doing quality assurance management of that kind. Mm. And then a few have come to join me in policy and communication. Mm, okay, amazing. That's great to hear because here in Kenya we hear a lot of people who they don't know what to do. Yes, they wanted to go in to pursue their career more into uh, bio-related stuff, but they never get a chance to do that because of the positive when it comes to opportunities related to research or I don't know, things that they can use for their from their I don't know, degrees. So I I'm glad to hear that there isn't a problem like that in Uganda. Like people actually grow into careers that the this you know, this into careers that they they actually want to. Like there's that variety of things that they can go to and no one is stuck somewhere. <laughs> well, Sarah, the mm. variety is there, but still employment mm. is still an issue for many of these countries. So mm. oh, it really okay. comes down to how people prepare for their life after campus. Yeah, so, because it was really a tough time for many mm. people. Yeah. So what, what, how did you navigate that? Like after you finished your biotechnology course, what were you thinking at that moment? Apart from you, yes, you're already involved. That's what you said, that you're already involved in science communication things. Right? Did I yes, get that right? Yes, yes, Yeah. So, yes, yes, you did. Okay, so the question is, so it was easier for you to know to where adjust, you want to go, yeah. right? Yeah, yes. How did you... Like, find yourself in narrow. Oh, okay. So, that organization I joined after campus, the Uganda Biosciences Information Center. UBIC. Way before I, I finished the degree, yes, UBIC. They always had youth engagement activities. So, they always mobilized students, youth across the country to participate in activities meant to inform them of what's happening in the field of research, especially biotech. Mm. So, these were from ranging from uh, student essay competitions to debates to that uh, uh, biotech movie screenings. They had these conferences to discuss biotech. So a lot of these things kept coming up. Mm. So since I was a student leader yeah. of, of a biotechnology society, mm. I always found myself working with them to mobilize my fellow students and students in other universities. Mm. So I had this kind of close working relationship with the guys mm. there. That uh, as my degree was coming to an end, I reached out to them to see if they had any opening for someone to join them. So that's when I got to join Ubik at the time. Okay, so this was through networks, right? Yes, networking. Okay, so how then? How did you move to Naro? 
So Ubik is under oh, Narrow. Oh, so, okay. Ah. Yes, Ubik is an information communication hub of Narrow. And Narrow is National Agricultural Research Organization. Am I wrong? Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Did I hear <laughs> you right. mouth it? <laughs> <laughs> Should we confirm? I feel like confirming. <laughs> I had you say that. You're right. That's that's narrowing for <laughs> National Agriculture uh, Narrow Narrow Uganda. Yes. Sorry, I'm weird like that. So Yeah, National Agricultural Research Organization. So what does it do really? Organization. Yeah. What what does it do? So it's it's, it's, it, it oversees agricultural research in the entire country. So most of the research in agriculture is done by Naro, mm. both for livestock and for plants. Okay. So it's like Calro here, yes. I think. Because it's, it's a government thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like Calro in Kenya. Yeah, it is. Okay, great. Um, so they have yeah. a, a vibrant communication sector where now that's the Ubik, right? And that's yeah, the yes. one that you... So, what was your role, the first role, as when you got the opportunity? So, what was the name of your role? I joined initially. Uh-huh. I, I, I was referred to as an outreach assistant, though it was largely a voluntary position. Mm. Only that it was a bit of, of paid volunteering. Okay. Yeah. So it was a, it was paid volunteer. They call that paid volunteering position, yeah. As a volunteer, but a volunteer gets facilitated to do some of these activities. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then, how long did you stay there? I've been with you since 2019. Oh, you're still there? Oh, well, you finished school in 2019, 2018, 2019. 2019. 20, yes. Okay, great. So since 2019 up to now, you're still part of the. You're still an outreach volunteer. No, I'm now advocacy and dissemination lead. Oh, so you got a permanent job there. Yeah. The reason why I'm asking these questions, I know they are very weird questions to ask, but the reason why I'm asking these questions is uh, because people really don't talk about their positions and how they go up where throughout their careers and someone might be trying to figure out how mm. they want to do that so it's good to hear how did someone else navigate yeah. that tell me if i'm wrong from what my understanding to where we are right now in terms of your career path you started you got into this biotechnology course you tried to figure out what it is by asking questions then there was this thing that was going on uh trying to get up Bill to be a law when it yeah. comes to GMO in yes. Uganda and the National Agricultural Research Organization there had a communication bit called the UBIC that was trying to involve the students in the discussions when it came to that. Yeah. And you happened to be... But then how did you get this... Uh, Leadership position. I founded the society. I started the association along with uh, with uh, other colleagues. 
Oh. Wait, so how did you know what to start? Uh, in my high school, I had been a leader. I had been uh, uh, a president, a student mm. president mm-hmm. in my high school. So uh, when, I joined, when I joined university in my year one, mm. this discussion started informally with my colleagues. They're like, we need to do something about this. So I found a few willing, a few willing friends of mine within the same course, and we started this. We formulated the constitution, the articles, and... So the idea to our fellow students, we mm. looked, looked for a patron mm. from one of the lecturers. We got mm. this registered and, yeah. And wow. that's What's how it started. Yeah. What's the name? Makerere University Biotechnology Society. And it's the one that you're still involved with right now, right? No, it's, it's a student's body. So in my time was done, I had to, <laughs> had to hand over to the... Yeah, but there's a way you're yeah. still involved in that. Do you support it in some sort of way? I don't know. Yes, yes. Uh, I still work with them in case they need some guidance or mm. they're looking for some people to facilitate some activities. I, mm. I always help them out. Well, that's a, that's a really good achievement if you th- really think about it. Like, that's a big thing when it comes to you founding something and bringing people together and making it one. It's, it's still there up to now and it's making impact. Like, that's, that's just amazing. Thank you. Yeah. So now you founded an organization, then you, they, then this communication part of Anaro reached out to you or what happens? I didn't get that. Yeah, so after founding this, mm. co-founding this organization, mm. uh, so we, we look for an entry point into this space, into mm. this advocacy bit. Um, so, incidentally, the, the, the players are well known. We have mm-hmm. Cyphod, we have Ubik. At the time, we also had 3D. We had PBS, Program for Biosafety Systems. Mm-hmm. Cyphod is Science Foundation for Livelihoods and Development. Mm-hmm. And Ubik. So, these organizations are really at the forefront of advocating for this. Mm-hmm. So, as we were trying to organize the match for science, mm-hmm. we reached out to all these people we felt could join us. Mm-hmm. So, that's how we really got a, a, lot of, a lot involved in their activities. Mm. So it's like it's like we, f- we feel the gap they really had, and that's mm. the gap of mobilizing youth into this entire campaign of advocating for the bill. Mm. So it always became easy in case they had activities to mm. simply call up the society. Mm. Society talks to other biological students in other universities across the country, mm-hmm. and we come together and participate in these activities. So from them going forward, it really became easy to be thought of that actually students and the youth generally have a voice in this whole entire debate. Amazing. So after that, that's when you um, you finished school. Then since you already had created a network there, you went and asked if they have a position and you got a volunteer, though it was a bit uh, with some money. I, yeah. I didn't understand yeah. that, though. So what <laughs> happened... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like it's like paid internship. So you're yeah. you're not a full time employee, yeah. but you're being compensated for some of your time. Okay. So what yeah. happens after that? Take us through from there. So we had you know COVID came in was it March twenty twenty? Mm-hmm. So for a very long time, like seven months, it was like a dark period. You know, mm. for the at the time. Uh, it's like government stopped all these outreach activities. Mm. 
So Ubik being a communication hub, most of our activities are actually outreach activities. We're engaging farmers, stakeholders, mm-hmm. policymakers, all this kind of thing. So we had a really long gap. Mm-hmm. And around that time, we had a change of leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, founder, the founding coordinator of Ubik mm-hmm. took on another senior role in NARO. She became a director of research of one of the institutes, of one of the research institutes. Mm-hmm. And then some of the people we were working with, uh, some went back to school. They went for master's studies mm-hmm. abroad. Uh, so we had really to reassemble a team. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, around that time now, that's when I moved from this outreach assistant position mm-hmm. to now helping out with now bringing in a new crop of of guys to help us out with outreach activities. So being the only veteran there, I found myself really assuming a leadership oh, position. Yeah. Now I see what you're saying. Yeah. So you are the now leader. Yes. Amazing. I, I'm, I'm not the coordinator. Mm-hmm. You have a coordinator. Uh, I'm, I'm below the coordinator. I'm like, what? Vice? The next... Vice coordinator? <laughs> the next, <laughs> the next <laughs> rank. <laughs> But but the specific title is mm. advocacy and dissemination lead. Okay. So amazing. Yeah, supervising the rest of the team to to do this work. I like your journey. It's very interesting. Like you come from school, then you get this volunteership, then you found yourself as the only person remaining, then <laughs> <laughs> you get this leadership role. Yeah. Amazing. Like it's just it's it's just interesting how your your path has been weaved unknowingly um so the next question is so what happens after that like how do you know about nantenza like how did you meet because i'm assuming that's how you you got connected into this other thing yeah yes yes you're right about that so while i was still at at the university Mm. i think i was about a month away from finishing up the undergraduate course Mm-hmm. And at the time, Patricia was looking for... Oh, when you were a volunteer with Ubik? No, I oh, didn't before. Yet, before. Okay. Okay. Just right before I joined Ubik. Okay, my bad. It was about a month before finishing up my undergraduate. Mm-hmm. So at the time, mm-hmm. I was helping the, my successors in terms of leading the society. Mm-hmm. That time now they were organizing mm-hmm. a match for science mm-hmm. for that year. That was... 2019, yes, 2019. Mm. So I was helping them mobilize resources. So being that I'd been, I'd been part of the society for a long time, so I had these contacts with all these other guys. I was trying to reach out to these people to help my successors mobilize for that event. Mm-hmm. So how I was doing the fundraising, I was really reaching out to those I know are passionate about biotechnology, asking them to contribute any anything in kind or in cash. Mm. So around the time I talked to the person I talked to was called Nasib. Nasib at the time was an outreach officer with Ubik. Mm-hmm. So Nasib says, oh, I know someone who's really interested in this kind of work, Patricia. Mm-hmm. So Nasib introduced me to Patricia. Mm-hmm. So when I got to meet Patricia to pick the donation to the March for Science, mm-hmm. Patricia introduces the, the project she was starting, the mm-hmm. Science Stories Africa. Mm-hmm. And she tells me she needed help with mobilizing students mm-hmm. to attend the event. Mm-hmm. So, g- given that I was done with, I was done with my final exams, I was almost done with campus. I was like, I can do this. Mm. So that's how I joined Science Stories Africa as a 
a student mobilizer. Okay. Yes. So I as soon as I joined Science Stories Africa, we did the first event in Kampala mm. National Theatre. Mm. So given that I really had a lot of time on my hands, me not being a fresh graduate, mm-hmm. ended up taking up other roles. So I became a digital communications person for Science Stories Africa. Mm-hmm. So slowly I, I got into the administrative work. To a point that now I'm, I'm a project administrator there, managing the budgets, recruiting the speakers and the service providers. So I grew within the role to a more senior role within the same arrangement, just like I grew in Ubik. I love that you became part of something that was starting. Yeah. And you took up roles. Like, do you feel that... You being part of Sun Stories Africa when it was still young grew you yeah. as a human being when it comes to the skills that you can perform. Like I have nothing to do with science. Apart from the communication aspect, like the, the administrative stuff, the coordinating, communicating with the yeah. different people, thinking about what to do. Like, Yeah, yeah actually, uh, Patricia has been a very, very good mentor, both in terms of the administrative side of it Mm-hmm. But also the science communication because she's really a very good science communicator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's now working with the Alliance for Science, I think, full time mm-hmm. with their training bit of Africa. Mm-hmm. She's in charge of training for the Alliance. Yeah. So she has really trained me a lot in science communication, the do's and don'ts, and yeah. So she has mentored me both administratively in trying mm-hmm. to manage the Science Stories Africa activities mm-hmm. and also the science communication bit because she's also equally good at that. Okay, great. Um, yeah, yeah that's, those are very great skills, by the way. So, um, let's talk about Sinbio. So, how did you get into that? Yeah, so... Because now, already, you, you're with Science Stories Africa, right? At that time. Yeah. And you're mm. still part of Ubik. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question about navigating all that, but... How did you get now into science in bio? Yes, one of the things I love about science communication is that I can be in multiple places at the same time, mm. almost. You can, because, for example, Science Stories Africa now, mm. it's we have events. Mm-hmm. So there's always a bit of time between events. events. We organize events for like two months. Mm. We look for the speakers, we train them, we, you know, we get, take them to the theater, mm. we produce these videos and publicize them. So that's something that doesn't really take me away from my day job. Mm. It's like dedicating a few hours of my day each of these two months, Mm. each day of these two months. Mm -hmm. We get this done and get back to our normal, normal, they call them permanent jobs. Which is now Ubik. Yeah, which is Ubik in this case. Mm. So that's that's how I was able to balance these two. Okay. So for Sinbio Africa, I get get introduced to... No, no, I'm good now. Do you want water? As if I'll give you. <laughs> <laughs> I have a bottle of water. Let me get water here. Sorry. Question. <laughs> I'm good now. Okay. Thank you. So, I got introduced to Sin by Africa through my fellowship time with Jinko Bioworks. As I was explaining Sorry, in the monologue I had earlier. Yeah. Let's pause there. Mm. I, I'm not getting that name. Jean? Jean. Jean. Jinko. 
Jinko. Uh, it is G I. Now you hear Jinko Bailoba. So this is Jinko Bioworks. J or G? G. G for girl. Uh-huh. Bioworks. Then G O. So Ginko. Oh. Then Bioworks. I wish the clean feed had like a chat option and I just type for you this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This oh name. my god. Yeah. Anyway, there's, there's, there's a studio that has that, but mm. I don't like the audio that comes out of it. Plus, it's it has, yeah, it has money to eat, so and I don't have money. Yeah. But anyway, this is good enough. Sorry about that. I wish we could. It's, it's fine. So it's, it's Ginko. Yeah, oh, I've seen okay. it. I've seen it. I've Googled. Google. I'm a Googler. Trust me. Cool, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, about, I was about to type it here in LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. It's headquartered right. in Boston. It says yes. most advanced technology in the on the planet, biology to grow better products. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, in 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 my earlier monologue, I mentioned that Jinko uh, put out a call for a public policy fellowship. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that in case you're thinking of a policy policy idea mm. that is related to biology generally, mm. you propose it and you apply to to be mentored by their team for mm. a period of three months. Mm. That was from June to September last year. Okay. And it was the very first time they were organizing the fellowship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interestingly, it's it, it, it's it's Patricia who who notified me of that call for applications. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I think she was on Twitter and she saw this and she tagged me in the tweet. Mm. I was like, okay, this is something I can apply for. I applied. Mm. And luckily I was, I was selected to be part of the inaugural class for that fellowship. Mm-hmm. So that fellowship introduced me to this field of called synthetic biology. Mm-hmm. Whereby they're doing the same biotechnology I know only that they're doing they're applying a lot of engineering and computer and AI and it's it's a lot of automation in their whole processes. Mm-hmm. So much as my work there was policy, policy related, mm-hmm. I also learned about what they're doing in their labs mm-hmm. by default. So while there I got to learn of what's happening in this space across the globe. I got to learn of terms like IJM. Last mm-hmm. I got to hear that we have a group in Uganda called Sin Bio Africa, and I'm like, wow, interesting, because I've been in advocacy for biotechnology since 2016, mm-hmm. and these are also a more or less biotech group, and I've never heard of them. Mm-hmm. And we are doing a lot of amazing work. I was like, I have to talk to these guys. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to their founder, Geoffrey. I had a, a brief call with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we discussed what ideas we could implement. It mm-hmm. being a really scientific community, mm-hmm. They needed a lot of support in communications, and mm-hmm. I happened to really have some time on my hands. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'd, I'd be glad to really help out. They're organizing a conference, so I helped them think through, think, think through their whole communications <laughs> <It's okay>. bit <laughs> for, the, for, the, for the conference. Mm. So I joined Sinbai Africa as a volunteer still. Mm-hmm. Uh, took, up, took up a position on the executive committee, mm-hmm. handling their policy and communication strategies. Mm-hmm. So we th- uh, helped them with the conference. I hosted the conference, helped mm. them managing the publication of the report. Mm. So around this, around April this year, that's when now they got uh, 
a grant to implement the Global Catastrophic Biological Risks Initiative. Mm-hmm. And that's now that's when I now take up a more or less paid position mm. as a project officer for policy and communications for that initiative. Okay. So 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 there's this there's always been this pattern of first you're giving your time free of yeah. charge. <laughs> I, I, that's what I was actually thinking about it. That's why I've kept quiet. I was like, mm. Mm-hmm. And then you know, when an opportunity Volunteer knocks, free, then you're given that opportunity. Yes, and yeah. I, I learned that principle largely from Patricia's team mm. because there's this thing mm. people always want to be given, yeah. Or sometimes people ask, What can they give? because mm. they assume they have to give in terms of money, mm. but then she was like, Even if you just give time or mm. your skills, or you know, what you're giving, and the hand that gives it. It's the hand that receives, you know? So I've always found myself always willing to volunteer, especially for things I'm passionate about. Mm. So in Sindhu Africa comes up and they have this conference. I'm I'm fell in love with with synthetic biology, bioeconomy. I was like, I have time. I can do this. Mm. And it being a community, you know, they always met in after work hours. So it was quite easy to catch up with their Mm. activities. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. Let's just start to sit in. Let's start to sit <laughs> I feel like you're almost putting sound effects to the podcast, it's like a movie. <laughs> no sound effects.